podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. 89 FM. The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. to Exposure. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Now today is a big day. The President is giving his State of the Union address. People all over the United States are celebrating Mardi Gras and the MSU men's basketball will be battling U of M at the Breslin in about two hours. And it's my little brother's birthday. But before that we have State Representative Sam Singh coming in to talk about his future initiatives as well as Professor Veronica Thronson to talk about immigration reform. Later we will speak with SPAR which is Students Promoting Animal Rights. To end exposure in MSU acapella group, the Spartan Discords, will perform as a preview to their concert on Friday. Now, a celebration occurred last weekend on Michigan State's campus. The MSU Museum hosted a birthday party for famed scientist Charles Darwin. Impact's Brianna Bishop has a story. The Michigan State University Museum celebrated famed scientist Charles Darwin's birthday on Sunday, February 10th, at the Darwin Discovery Day. The annual event was created by adjunct museum curator and associate professor in geological sciences, Danita Brandt. Nine years ago, Brandt was searching the web when she came across a website to show events people were holding in celebration of Darwin's birthday. I work at MSU. We're a big research university. We could do something like that. Brandt teamed with Judy Smythe and began planning the first Darwin Discovery Day. This was two weeks before February 12th. So in two weeks, what Judy and I did, we went out, we got a cake... We got some helium balloons, Uh, we put up a few signs, and I gave a talk about Michigan fossils. And that was our first Darwin discovery, or well, what we called Darwin Day. Each year the day has a special theme that relates to Darwin's life and career. This year's theme was Tales of Scales, Darwin and Reptiles. Guests were treated to a live showing of reptiles and amphibians, courtesy of the MSU Herpetology Club. The MSU Bug House was also on hand to add their creepy critters to the mix. The live show is not the only thing guests were able to take part in. The entire museum was decorated to celebrate Darwin, his life, and the many aspects of his career. MSU Museum Director Gary Morgan thinks Darwin Discovery Day benefits visitors in a number of ways. It does remind them of how significant a legacy Charles Darwin had, uh, how important his work was in forming a whole range of areas of biology, and that scientists right through to the present day are building upon what Charles Darwin uh, published uh, way, way back. Morgan also said the event brings attention to the excitement one can find in a museum. It's also a great way to remind people of what museums are about and how museums contribute to biological research and how museum collections are used and continue to be used by scientists all over the world as part of their research. It's just that it's a really fun way for, for, for families to, to engage with, uh, with biology. Darwin Discovery Day offered exhibition tours, Q&A sessions with scientists, interactive presentations by various colleges, and birthday cake in honor of the scientists. One of the highlights was the Meet Charles Darwin session, where guests learned about Darwin's life and career from MSU Darwin scholar himself, Dr. Rich Bellin. For Impact News, I'm Brianna Bishop. About a month ago, Representative Sam Singh took the oath of office to represent House District 69, which covers part of the cities of East Lansing and Lansing, and all of Locke, Meridian, and Williamstown Townships. Representative Singh attended Michigan State University and was a member of ASMSU. He has served on city council and was mayor of East Lansing for two years. He is also the first Indian American state representative in Michigan. He is in the studio now. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming. Now, what made you decide to run for 69th District Representative? Well, our uh, state representative at the time was Mark Meadows. He was term limited after serving six years uh, for uh, the community. And I just felt that my voice and my experiences, whether they were here at the university as a student leader, my time and experience in local government, or my work with the nonprofit community could be a good voice uh, at the state capitol. And so a little over two years ago, I started a, a campaign to really get my message out and just was honored and pleased that the voters selected me uh, to be their representative. Okay. And how has the first month been going? Is 
any hazing as a freshman? Or? <laughs> no, no. You know, it's been great to kind of be embraced uh, by the uh, my fellow colleagues uh, at the the Capitol. Uh, you know, luckily I had spent a number of years working around the Capitol. I had the opportunity to be the president and CEO of a group called the Michigan Nonprofit Association, and we represented about a thousand charities across the state. But one of the things they had me do was to make sure that their voices were heard at the state capitol. So it's been a different process now being in the actual seat. It's been exciting. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, information thrown at us uh, and uh, been pleased to be uh, appointed on the Appropriations Committee. So I've been uh, really diving through the governor's budget that he presented last Thursday. I'm sure. <laughs> and now, also, your parents immigrated to Michigan from India in the 1960s for a better life and an opportunity for the American dream. How has that shaped you into the person you are today, and how did that play a role in your decision to uh, enter public office? Well, you know, my parents, uh, you know, have always reminded me and my younger brother about uh, wanting to give back uh, to the community. Uh, education was a strong uh, concept and value around the kitchen table. You know, there was never a thought that we weren't going to be going to college. The question was, Watch College, and my father always said he paid tax dollars here in Michigan, and he wanted us to go to one of the public universities because we had great public universities. So, you know, when I came up here uh, to Michigan State, uh, my brother also graduated from Michigan State, you know, I wanted to get really involved, and one of the ways I saw that was through student government, and as a leader in student government, I really saw this disconnect between the city of East Lansing and Michigan State University. So I decided to get involved, and when I called my parents up to say, hey, I'm going to run for the city council you know, it wasn't something that surprised them because that was that kind of concept. You have to give back to the community, give back to the state that gave, you know, my parents an opportunity to, my father worked 35 years at Ford Motor Company. My mom raised two children in a country that she wasn't born in. And so, you know, it was a remarkable uh, place for them to, to live. They still live in Livonia, Michigan, where I grew up. And uh, you know, there was always that reminder, you should give back to the community. And so this was just a, an opportunity for me to do that, whether it was on the city level or now on the state level. Okay. And what is it like, uh, you know, still being in the town that you did grow up in, that you did go to college in? How, what does that feel like when you're giving back directly to this community? Well, you know, I always say to people, I grew up here, you know, though technically I went to high school in Livonia, Michigan. I went to college here and, you know, I became a leader uh, here. You know, the community embraced me, the university embraced me as a young person to get elected at the age of 24 to the city council. And so, you know, I've got a lot of uh, fond memories of, the, of those times of being engaged, uh, but also also a commitment to give back because they entrusted me at a fairly young age uh, to be involved. And so I wanted to always be able to, to give back. You know, Michigan State University, and I don't have to tell this to, to your listeners, is, <laughs> is such a valuable part of mid-Michigan. I mean, the economic engine for mid-Michigan is really two things. It's the state capital and all the activities that go around that. And it's Michigan State University. You know, this area would not be what it is without Michigan State University. And so for me, I always tell people, you know, my job, whether was as mayor or now as state representative is is one of the greatest jobs because I get to represent Michigan State University every day and the people that live here, the people that work here, and the great things that are, they're doing across the state as well as across the country and world. Sure. And how has your experiences, your past experiences, whether it be, you know, leadership at Michigan State and your experiences of mayor who really helped your transition to be in the representative state? Well, you know, we're looking at a lot of key issues. I mean, obviously, the budget is the biggest issue that, you know, facing the state over the last 10 years. But we're also trying to redevelop um, Michigan. We're trying to make sure that we're on the cutting edge for economic development. We're trying to make sure that we're positioning Michigan in a global economy. And my activities, whether they were at uh, being the mayor. I also had the opportunity to do some work with a group called the New Economy Initiative was really to take a look at economic development and, you know, working with Michigan State University through a number of ventures, including some of the partnerships they had with East Lansing, where they were taking businesses out of the university and into the uh, community but through technology transfer. You know, those are the types of things that I think the legislature can really learn from. And unfortunately, the legislature and the governor uh, over the last number of years have cut uh, higher education funding. And I'm trying to make the case that not only do we have to increase it, but we have to increase it dramatically. Because it's not only just for uh, students to uh, get an education or for us to do research, but there's great businesses that are being spun out of our universities. And for us to be effective in a global uh, uh, competitive world, we have to have, uh, you know, high functioning uh, universities. And unfortunately, we've been cutting them too much. And so my mantra on the appropriation subcommittee for 
higher education will be how do we give more dollars and resources to our, our public universities so they can do the work that they're doing around economic development. Okay, and how difficult is it to make a change? You know, because you see the government process, and sometimes it's, you know, more slowly than others, but how do you really make a change and make that happen? Well, you know, I, I have to be very cautious as I kind of go through this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm aware that I'm in the uh, minority uh, party, uh, but I've reached out to uh, my Republican colleagues, and I think a lot of them see the economic uh, opportunities that universities have. And so, you know, obviously I'm in my first uh, five weeks uh, of office, and I'm taking a look at how we can take a look at the governor's budget and build off of that. I'm working with different constituency groups to also bring that message out. So I think we can make uh, a change and make a difference. But then also there's the other side of my job, you know, outside of being in these committee meetings and passing laws and taking a look at regulations, it's the constituent relations. You know, we just had somebody contact our office who'd retired and uh, wasn't getting their their retirement checks sent to them. And uh, so we were able to, you know, get our staff to ask uh, a couple of questions questions and now this person's getting their their you know monthly check back and so you know for that person for that moment in time this was a you know the biggest thing facing them and we were able to help out and so that's the other part of my job that's just amazing uh, and is very important to me is that kind of constituent relations and how we can reach out and help people that are in need. Sure. And how else do you try to reach out to your constituents? Well, we're, we're going to be doing a series of coffees uh, throughout the uh, the district. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure I do is be uh, reaching out to the community. I'm also very active on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and, you know, I kind of welcome, you know, people kind of reaching out to me to tell me their opinions uh, and through those mediums as well. And then we've also talked about how we come through and, you know, the university as well. Um, you know, we've got good relationships with the student government and other uh, student-based organizations, but, you know, I'd also like to just come through and uh, have lunch, uh, you know, in the cafeteria and talk to students about issues that are facing them. So over the uh, next few months, as we kind of get settled into our office, we're going to be reaching out in a number of ways, and uh, especially to the university community. Okay, and was it difficult adjusting to the process of be being representative? Well, you know, obviously, uh, the, the, probably the most significant difference is, you know, I, when you were on a, as a mayor or on the city council, there was five people <laughs> that made the rules and decisions. Now I'm in a body, there's 110 people. So obviously, you know, getting to learn the dynamics of how you make change, how you uh, influence 110 people is kind of what I'm learning right now. But um, I don't say there's a dramatic difference uh, in the sense of time commitment and so forth, but it's definitely a different process when you're working with 110 people versus five, and that's what I'm enjoying so far. Okay, and you've talked a little bit about education, but you're serving on the as a minority vice chair on the appropriations subcommittees on education and higher education. Why is education so important to you? Well, I mean, education is what gave my family an opportunity in this country. It's what gave me an opportunity here. And for us to be competitive in a global economy, we have to be investing all the way from early childhood um, to K through 12 to higher education. You know, one of the things that I always talk about, I had the opportunity to do a, a personal sabbatical. I, I actually didn't run for uh, re-election as mayor uh, a few years back because I wanted to see uh, the world. And I actually took 17 months off and did an international experience backpacking. Uh, and, you know, I would just watch what they're doing in other countries around education. You know, you go into elementary schools, people are learning multiple languages at a very early age. Uh, you know, they're looking at different uh, areas of expertise, such as the science and mathematic uh, areas uh, for, uh, for, for education and, and for curriculum. And so what I want to make sure is that if we are going to be competitive as a country and if Michigan is going to be competitive as a state in that global economy, we have to be investing in education. We have to be looking at what's cutting edge. And so for me, when I was asked, you know, what committees did I want to be on, I wanted to be on those committees that were looking at how we fund education, how we make sure Michigan State universities provided the resources that it needs. Uh, I wanted to make sure that our great uh, K-12 through institutions that we have here, whether it's East Lansing, Hazlitt, Okemos, or Williams that I represent, that they're getting the resources. And so for me, that was my, my goal. I was pleased that the leadership uh, thought I would be uh, you know, well-suited for those, and that's uh, going to be a, a big priority for me uh, during my tenure uh, as a state representative. 
And we wish you the best of luck in that. We really do. Um, now, before we leave, what are what's some advice you can give student leaders on campus who are trying to make a difference in the larger scale of things? Well, you know, as always, as a student leader myself, you know, we were able to start a number of great initiatives that are still going on, alternative spring break and into the streets. Just find something that you're passionate about. Um, you know, when you are passionate and you believe in something, uh, you know, putting your time and energy towards that makes it so easy. And so that's the one thing I always tell students when they ask me, you know, how can I make that difference. I think you just have to find the area or issue. And sometimes it's on campus, sometimes it's off campus. We've got a great resource here at Michigan State University called the Service Learning Center. And so for those people who want to be able to make that difference, you know, stop by the Service Learning Center, check them out on the on the web. Uh, you can find some great opportunities for you to learn at the same time by giving back through volunteering. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Representative Singh. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now, back to Impact Exposure. Immigration reform has been a huge issue in the United States and in Michigan. Recently, discussion has been happening at the federal level in hopes to reform immigration policies. Going along with this, Michigan Secretary of State Ruth Johnson recently granted driver's licenses to immigrant youth under the Obama administration reform enacted last summer. In the studio with me now is Veronica Thronson, who is the Assistant Clinical Professor of Law and Director of Immigration Law at MSU. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Now, first, can you talk about the allowance of driver's license to immigrant youth? How did this happen and why is it important? Well, it's very important because the Obama administration decided to grant deferred action to these students. And it's basically kids who were brought to the United States uh, by their parents when they were children. And so uh, the idea was to try to get them status, to try to get them a worker permit so they could uh, work in the United States legally and live in the United States legally. However, uh, Michigan took the stand that they did not qualify to get a driver's license because they were not lawfully present in the United States. And there was a lot of advocacy around that issue, and now that that they have agreed to grant the, the driver's licenses, that is going to improve the life of so many kids, including a lot of kids who are going to MSU right now. Sure. We do have a lot of international students, especially. Exactly. Um, now, immigration is a very complicated topic with many layers. Uh, on the federal level, what do you feel is the biggest issue in the current immigration policies? Well, you know, do you want me to talk about the, the new legislation that Definitely. has been proposed? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the biggest issue has been that we haven't been able to get bipartisan support for any reform in immigration law, and now it seems that we're finally getting there. So we are all very excited about the announcement that happened at the end of January where a group of senators from uh, both parties decided to get together and try to uh, propose a framework to try to help and hopefully legalize most of the 11 million uh, undocumented immigrants we have in the United States right now. 
Okay. And then they said a lot of the different levels, you know, for instance, there's border security, employee verification, status adjustment for currently illegal immigrants, and workable farm-friendly guest worker programs. What do you feel out of those issues is the most prominent in Michigan? Well, for for Michigan, definitely the agricultural uh, workers uh, provision that they have. But so far, we haven't really gotten a clear understanding of what is it that they are proposing. So the senators are saying we have a framework that has four components. One is the path to citizenship, which is absolutely new because all the programs that had been suggested don't have a path to citizenship. So that we are very happy that eventually people would legalize their status and be able to apply to become U.S. citizens uh, here. The uh, the second important uh, issue that they have is the reunification of family members who had been waiting to come in, who had been waiting for a visa to finally come to the United States legally, and the issuance of green cards to uh, people who get a master's degree or a PhD in the uh, areas of science, technology, engineering, and math. So that that's great. And another, the last provision they have is to be able to uh, bring workers when the economy needs more workers and we have no supply of them in the United States. But there is a catch. So in order to uh, to get through the path of citizenship, they wanted to be contingent on securing our borders. And you may have heard the Obama administration has been uh, the administration that has dem- deported the most people uh, in recent history. So our borders are already very secure. And we really don't know exactly what they mean when they said we we it needs to be contingent with the border being secured. They are suggesting to have drugs. Uh, and they are suggesting to have more border patrol. And so that costs a lot of money. So I think that's going to be a big issue that is going to be very controversial uh, once the bill is finally drafted and and, uh, submitted to the House for a vote. And do you think, um, especially that uh, subject, do you think that that's possible to do in America? I I think it is. I think it is because eventually we have to determine what are we going to do with these people, right? Like, and and I love the idea that now we went from some proposals uh, that suggested let's have people self-deport to now having hopefully a comprehensive path to try to legalize as many as uh, of, of these people who are here undocumented. And through your career in immigration law, how difficult is it for you? Because, you know, your um, judgment and what you do on a daily basis is dependent on these bills that they're passing. So how difficult is it Well, you know, especially at the immigration law clinic, uh, what we try to do is find relief for immigrants uh, who who already have relief, right? I mean, there are people who we have to turn away and say, I'm sorry. Yes, you have been here 20 years, but there's nothing we can do for you. There's no law that will protect you to get your uh, your status. So it's heartbreaking, but at least we are very happy that we are able to help a lot of people who qualify for different little portions of the law, and then we are able to get them status. And do a lot of people come and find and seek your help? Yes, yes. Uh, we are not just open for MSU students. We work mostly with uh, social service agencies, uh, particularly in Michigan. Uh, we resettle a lot of uh, children who are apprehended at the border. And Michigan takes a lot of those kids, and those kids um, are uh, under the custody of the federal government. And while the government is trying to deport them, they are also trying to help them, and they get placed here with Lutheran Social Services and Bethany Christian Services. And so these kids need an attorney to represent them in immigration court to fight their deportation proceedings. So we have a large number of those kids in the clinic that we represent. Would you say you have more children than any other age? Yes, I would say at least 60% of our caseload is uh, kids who had been apprehended at the border who, you know, come looking for their parents or come looking for a better future or who had been abandoned. And so we have a lot of children from all over the world. So far, the clinic has represented people from 53 different countries. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. Now, how did you get involved with this career? 
Oh, God. <laughs> I had been doing this for a long time. Even before I went to law school, I was doing uh, policy analysis and advocacy around immigration reform uh, for the New York Immigration Coalition. Then uh, I became an attorney and uh, represented mostly victims of domestic violence in their divorce, custody, and immigration cases. And then we had the opportunity to come to MSU College of Law to open an immigration clinic. And now here we are. Okay. And how important is it to educate college students about immigration reform? Oh, it is very important. And mostly because uh, people don't understand the rules or they hear something on the radio and they think that it has already become law. So it's extremely important to educate the, the community in general to make sure that they don't get taken advantage of. I have heard people saying, oh, I'm going to cross the border because uh, I hear that they are going to start giving green cards. And, and that is not going to happen. So it's going to be a very long process. And it's great that we are able to tell people, don't believe what you hear unless you hear it from a reliable source, because a lot of people get taken advantage of and they lose a lot of money to apply for something that they really don't qualify for. Sure. And is there anything else you'd like to add about this topic? I would like to say that if people have, you know, like the issue of immigration affects all of us, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm sure you, me, anybody knows someone who is here, maybe undocumented. Uh, we need to be careful with people who are here, uh, who have families, who have maybe a child who was born in the United States who's a U.S. citizen, but maybe the older brother was brought by his parents and he's undocumented. So we need to make sure that we have protections for all these people, regardless of their immigration status, because they are one of the most vulnerable populations we have in Michigan and, and, and all over the United States. Sure. Well, thank you very much for your time. That was very enlightening. We appreciate it. Thank that you. was Veronica Thronson. You're listening to Impact Exposure. We've just received word of an invasion. Speak quickly, maggot. Is it those Canadians again? I don't know, sir. We just heard that Monday at 8 p.m. the impact will be invaded. You stupid ninny. That's the Asian invasion. It's the poppiest, catchiest, and all-around toe-tapping his music out of the Korea, Japan, and China. But, sir, I'm no good with Asian dialects. Shut up and listen to the music, private. That catchy beat knows no language barrier. Now move out, everyone. Sir, yes, sir. The Asian invasion. Monday nights from 8 till 10 on The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back, Abby Newton, Impact Exposure. Now it is time for our Spartan Spotlight. Today we will be highlighting SPAR, which is Students Pro Promoting Animal Rights, a group on campus doing just that. Here to talk about the group is Alexis Hinson. Welcome to Exposure. Thanks, Abby. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Good. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Now, first off, what exactly is SPAR? Um, well, it's an undergraduate animal rights group on campus. Um, it was active in the past, uh, not really the last two years, but before that it was really active on campus. And um, it kind of lost its, uh, I'm trying to see, like, students that were interested in it over the last two years just because it wasn't really doing anything uh, beneficial on campus. So when I came to campus, I was really interested in it um, and animal rights, and it's a huge passion of mine. So I contacted some graduate students that knew a lot about it, and they have kind of helped me start it up again. So How's it been going so far? Um, good. We had our first meeting two weeks ago, so we've only had one so far. We only started halfway through the semester, so it was a little bit more difficult to get um, you know, a group together for it. But um, we put up posters and stuff and did some you know, connections through different places on campus um, and have gotten like a little group together of about 20, 25 people. So it's really great. Well, good. And what do you guys hope to accomplish? Um, well, that we're kind of trying. We're just getting our feet off the ground this sure. year. So next year we'll have more of um, an activism standpoint. But this year we've actually um, teamed up with the Humane Society um, of the United States and they're doing a huge um, 
campaign right now to protect the wolves in Michigan. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's been pretty big, and they're trying to gather signatures. Um, wolves have been protected in Michigan for about 50 years, and they've been on the endangered species list and not been able to be hunted. Um, but this past year, they were actually taken off of it and were allowed to be hunted this uh, past hunting season. So we're... Um, there's only about 700 wolves in Michigan currently, gray wolves, and we're trying to campaign to have them taken like off the list of hunted animals um, just because their population could easily go down again. And you have to garner how many signatures? Oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember. 225,000? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big number. And sure. We only had about two months to do it. They only started doing it about less than a month ago. And how um, how's the progress been going? It's been going really great. Uh, a lot of people have gotten involved, and they've been going all over the Michigan area. I know a bunch of people that have been doing it in Lansing. And Jill Fritz, um, pre- or the director of the Michigan Humane Society, who's actually based in Lansing, is coming tomorrow to speak to SPAR and get us all involved getting signatures and stuff. So well, good. It sounds like you guys are making good progress. Yeah. Now, yeah. how did your passion for animal rights yeah, begin? Um, it actually started my senior year. I uh, became involved with a pit bull rescue group at home in upstate New York uh, called Pity Love Rescue. And I was involved with them going to adoption events and handling dogs there. Um, and I started kind of volunteering with them. And when I came here, I was vo- I volunteered at the Capital Area Humane Society. And it kind of spurred from my interest in shelter pets. Okay. And do you have pets at home? Yes, I do. I have two cats that I'm absolutely in love with. Oh, good. Do you, did you sneak one into your dorm or not quite yet? Shh, okay. No, no. We've had um, a chipmunk stay in our dorm this year uh, because that was the... We fa- actually found an abandoned baby chipmunk, um, a friend of mine did, and we kind of nursed it back to health for about a week, and then we took it to a rehab facility. Oh, what'd you name it? So, um, its name was Junior. A junior. So, yeah. And another... We found um, a group of feral kittens uh, right in, I'm trying to think, it had to have been beginning of November when um, we had had a lot of snow just like really recently. And we found some kittens outside of Berkey Hall um, and actually brought them in and took care of them because we knew that they wouldn't make it because of the weather changing. Um, and we actually got them all adopted out and spayed and neutered and all that. So. Wow, you have your own adoption shelter going on. adoption through Michigan State. <laughs> Go to Bailey Hall, guys. <laughs> yeah, kidding. I know, right? Now, um, if you had, you know, if you could create an image of what SPAR will be when you graduate, what would it be? Um, I'm, that's such a hard question. Other people have asked me too, and we're really trying to figure that out right now. Um, our mission statement right now is just a group that is trying to promote animal welfare on campus um, and in the Lansing area through communities. Uh, through the community, through petitioning and awareness events and um, presentations and stuff. We're going to have, we plan in the future, probably next year, to have more guest speakers come in and talk about different issues. Um, and we want to get like the whole campus involved so that it's not just our group doing it, but have maybe like film showings about different uh different things that just like need to be known to the general public and stuff that would be good awareness. Sure. And it does East Lansing and Lansing offer good uh, resources that you guys can use to expand your organization? Yeah. I mean, the Jill Fritz, like I said, the director, she is super involved and I know the Capital Area Humane Society, um, can, we can volunteer there and do outreach there. Um, there's mid Michigan cat rescue that we plan to help volunteer with too. And there's lots of things, even just on campus, um, where I personally work with the student organic farm, and I'm going to be working with the pig project this um, this spring, where we bring us pigs from like the farm the farm facility, and br- we bring them out to the organic farm and let them give birth and stuff there. So there's so much stuff even on campus and in the whole Lansing area, like to do with animals that we can get involved with, which is what I'm really excited about. Well, good. And now, is this uh, what's your future career plans? Has this sparked interest in that way? <laughs> uh, wouldn't my mom like to know? Um, <laughs> we uh, I'm a zoology major, and uh, my concentration is animal behavior. Um, with uh, another specialization in environmental studies and cognitive science. But uh, my main goal would be to go work for um, the ASPCA um, as, like, an animal behaviorist and stuff. I, I read a whole book. I think what initially, before I even started working with the Pipple Rescue, I read um, the book about Michael Vick's case called um, The Lost Dogs. Mm-hmm. And I was in contact for a short while with um, the lead animal behaviorist from the ASPCA on that. 
Um, and I kind of learned about what he did and stuff, and I thought it was amazing that he was assessing these dogs that had been victims of such abuse and stuff. And I think that work is amazing, that transforming these dogs and animals that people think are useless and helpless and no good and they want a purebred, whatever, and there's so many animals that need homes and that's what I want to work with. So, okay. well, it sounds like you've got quite the plan. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to add, Alexis? Um, not really. I, I can tell our upcoming meetings. We have them. Um, twice a month, and our next one is actually tomorrow night. Jill Fritz will be coming to speak um, to us in Wells Hall, A132, and anyone is welcome to come and join. Um, we actually have uh, both, we had a grad student come last week too, and I have a graduate advisor, so we're kind of partnered with um, the Graduate Animal Studies group as well. Um, and then, yeah, our following meeting after that will be on February 27th, right before spring break, from 7 to 8 at Wells Hall too, in A132. Okay, well, great. Thank you again, Alexa. Thanks Thanks. for coming in. Thanks so much, Abby. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Now back to Impact Exposure. Speaking of animals, there was a giant polar bear on campus last week. Now back. Impact's Mary Hathaway reports. Come get your picture taken with a polar bear. Some MSU students may have been caught off guard when they came face to face with a six foot tall polar bear last Friday. But not to worry, this was not a real polar bear, but a costume donated to MSU from the national chapter of Greenpeace. MSU senior and Greenpeace member Rachna Panu felt like the presence of the polar bear on campus was effective. He is basically here just to help get get people interested and get their attention and it's working. And not even a snowstorm could stop them. The dedicated group of students were out all night at the rock in the midst of six inches of snow. We came out at midnight to paint it and then we had to guard the rock I think for a few hours until six so yeah they were out there in the blizzard. But this issue is well worth braving the cold, according to these MSU students. Senior Mike Tira has been with Greenpeace for three years. Our main goal is to get eventually get the campus off the coal plant and onto 100% renewables. The enthusiastic Greenpeace members were thrilled to be getting their message out. Even the student in the polar bear suit was having a fun time. I'm Paul Matsuka and I'm a junior. And you are in a polar bear suit. Yes, I am. It's awesome. It's actually really warm. It's just hard to walk in, so I kind of stay stationary. Passing MSU students seemed to be responding well to the message, including freshman Bethany Myers. It seemed like, you know, they had time to make these changes and it just seemed like, you know, uh, not just a better thing to do, but it, like, you know, it had been thought through. For Impact News, I'm Mary Hathaway. This weekend, Michigan State University welcomed over 2,000 students to the 21st Annual Midwest Bisexual, Lesbian, Gay, Transgender Ally College Conference. The conference is the largest LGBTA college conference in the nation. Impact's Miguel Martinez has a recap of the weekend's events. On Friday, the 21st Annual Mumble Tech Conference was hosted by Michigan State at the Lansing Center. As over 2,000 students arrived, the streets came alive with sounds of laughter, excitement, and cheer, and one could plainly see the diversity that the conference represents. The Midwest Bisexual, Lesbian, Gay, Transgendered Ally College Conference, Mumbletech for short, is the largest LGBTA conference in the country, and with this year's attendance breaking all previous records, the pressure was on for MSU student organizers. I had the opportunity to sit down with Director of Finance, Travis Sunsford, prior to the event and chat about Mumbletech. Um, well, there's a core planning team of about six people, um, and then there's a couple committees that add, adds up to about 30 people. Um, and then as far as actual on-site volunteers, we have about 120 or so people signed up to volunteer. Organizers and volunteers put in two years of hard work and planning to reach a common goal. The, the main goal of the conference is, I mean, really for people to have a good time and to learn things about both themselves and about others. That was Erica Sheckel, Director of Marketing and Public Relations. This conference really pushes the boundaries of what people know about the LGBTA community, even as members of that community, and it also pushes them to think about more about how they self-identify and how they define their own lives. At this year's conference, students from as far as Virginia, Florida, and even Hawaii made an appearance. One student in particular, Al Moglia, drove 17 hours from Weatherford, Oklahoma, just to attend. It seems as though the experience was worth it, especially because of the abundance of different people Al encountered. 
I just like, you know, getting around people more my kind and uh, seeing how many diverse people are around here. Al was not the only person who enjoyed meeting new people. David Mongia from Perry, Illinois, enjoyed this diversity at the conference as well. Meeting new people, I'm be totally honest, uh, it's fun for me anyway to meet new people because everybody's just so different. And uh, I don't know if it's uh, the Midwest. Everybody's so polite. So um, it's just so nice that you can go up and talk to somebody and they won't, like, cuss you out. With friendships made and just under 100 unique workshops, Mumble Tech lived up to this year's theme, Mosaic, putting the pieces together. Michigan State senior and LGBT Resource Center employee Allegra Smith explains this year's theme and what it means. The idea of a mosaic is that we each are a different color, a different shape. We're each unique in our own lived experience, but we all fit together to make a picture that's um, beautiful and, and creative and, and effectively relays what we all feel and what we all think. Smith emphasizes that these differences should be united and celebrated. That's what I found in my experience with, with the queer and allied community at MSU is that we all have a different lived experience. We all have a different past. We all, through, we all pass through college um, in different ways and change dramatically, each of us. But together we make one whole community and that's inclusive and, and loving and supportive. It was this feeling of unity, diversity, and community that sets Mumble Tech apart and attracts so many students from all over the country. With this year's conference ending on Sunday, students boarded their cars, buses, and planes to return to their schools. After a very successful weekend, it seems as though all the attendees will take with them the knowledge of the differences within a community. They leave saddened to be parting ways with so many friends, but eager to spread awareness and educate their respective universities on what they learned at this year's Mumble Tech Conference. For Impact News, I'm Miguel Martinez. You're listening to Impact Exposure. My name is Mike Finney, also known as Crush, and this is As Long As You Love Me. As long as you love me. As long as you love me. As long as you love me, you're under pressure. Seven billion people in the world trying to fit in. Keep it together. Smile on your face even though your heart is frowning. But hey now, you know girl, we both know it's a cruel world. But I will take my chance, hey, yes. As long as you love me, we could be starving, we could be homeless, we could be broke. As long as you love me, I'll be your platinum, I'll be your silver, I'll be your gold. As long as you love me, as long as you I'll be a soldier Fighting every second of the day For your dreams, girl I'll be a holder You can be my destiny's child I'm girl But don't stress Don't cry No, we don't need No wings to fly Just take my hand As long as you love me Starving, we could be homeless, we could be broke. As long as you love me, I'll be your platinum, I'll be your silver, I'll be your gold. As long as you love me, as long as you love me, I don't know if this makes sense, but to my hallelujah. Give me a time and place, I'll rendezvous it, I'll fly you to it, I'll beat you there. Girl, you know I got you, us, trust. A couple things I can't spell without you, now we on top of the world, cause that's just what we do. Used to tell me sky's the limit, now the sky's my point of view. We stepping out like, whoa, cameras point and shoot. Ask me what's my best side, I stand back and point at you, you, you. The one that I argue with, felt like I need a new girl to be bothered with, but the grass ain't always green on the other side. Scream you water it, so I know, we got issues, baby, tree. True, 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 but I'd rather work on this with you than to go ahead and start with someone as new. As long as, as you love, love me, me, we 
be starving, we could be homeless, we could be broke. As long as you love me, I'll be a platinum, I'll be a silver, I'll be a gold. As long as you love me. And that was the Spartan Discords, an acapella group at Michigan State. On Friday, they will be having a Valentine's concert titled 14 Shades of Discords. They have prepared to season their love for the fans with some throwback classics from the Backstreet Boys, Sugar Ray, The Script, and, of course, Taylor Swift. The Discords came to the studio earlier this week to perform and talk about the show. I'm Lennon Kiriakosa. I'm Michael Finney. I'm Allie Behrens. I'm Drew Peabody. We are MSU's premier all-male a cappella group on campus. We're uh, 14 members strong right now, uh, but we go from anywhere between 12 and 14 members. Uh, this is actually our 31st year, uh, 31st year singing. We had our 30 year, 30-year anniversary show last semester. It was really cool. You know, we've just been singing around campus for a long time now. We have uh, four concerts a year. We have uh, we do Acapalooza, which is a shared concert with all the a cappella groups on campus. We have a Christmas concert, and then in spring semester we do a Valentine's Day show, which is actually uh, this Friday. And then we have our what we call Big Show at the end, which is kind of our end of the semester concert. And we're very funny. <laughs> we <laughs> like to think so. <laughs> it seems like it. Now, when I was reading the history online, I saw that your first official concert as a registered uh, student organization was in 1993. And I heard that you were scared that you would sell enough tickets. So you gave away tickets for free. But then you also started a thing ta- called the dorm gig. Can you explain mm-hmm. what that is? Okay. Well, you did your homework. Very impressive. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, as you said, we started in 1993. It was our first official concert. That was actually our first show, um, big show. That's what we call it, big show. And so this year, it's pretty cool. It's actually going to be our 20th big show, so it's pretty exciting. Um, but uh, dorm gigs is something we did to promote uh, shows and get student awareness of what what we are and who we are and get our name out there on campus. So we'd go around on dorms and knock on doors and uh, get the girls out into the you know elevator lobby and sing for them uh, on Tuesday nights. And uh, still trying to keep that going. I know some of the um, some of the things have changed with student life on uh, campus, so it's not the same as it used to be, but we're still trying to get out there on campus and get our name out there and get the students involved because it's been going on for a couple decades. So. And again, you do highlight the girl side of the door right now. Well, <laughs> no, everyone's uh, very interesting. It's a large portion of our fan base. Yeah, that's true. Excellent marketing. <laughs> Your upcoming concert on Friday is a Valentine's Day concert. It's a good place uh, to take a date. There you go. Now, what can the audience expect? Uh, it's just be a pretty great show. We have a lot of great music that we've prepared for it. Uh, a lot of new stuff, pop, and uh, some old stuff as well. Anything else you guys want to add? I guess we're funny, like he said. It's very entertaining. A lot of stuff, you know, with just what we've been working on. We've been working really hard, and we're really excited to go out there and uh, show the audience what we've been working on. So, Yeah, a couple artists that uh, people going to the concert are going to hear. You know, uh, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber... Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. We're excited about that as well. (laughs) And I hear you have a special relationship with Justin Bieber. Can you explain that? (laughs) Oh, uh, well, in the discords, you kind of go through this trial process of getting nicknames, and I went through quite a few nicknames, but uh, one of them stuck when we went, actually, we went to Muskegon for, like, a a high school tour there over winter break, uh, my freshman year, and we all, like, walked into this high school, and there were probably, like, 25 high school cheerleaders just sitting in the lobby and as soon as I walked in, they all just yelled, Oh my God, it's Justin Bieber! <laughs> and my nickname's been Biebs ever since. I'm not proud of it, but I'm also not ashamed of it. So, um, it's the hair. Yeah, it's really, so it's we, try to, we try to come up with clever nicknames for all of our members. Uh, everyone in... You don't have a nickname yet, do you? <laughs> not yet. No, it takes a while, so... What are your guys' nicknames? Uh, I'm Crush. My freshman year, I'm a senior, so back in fall of 2009... Well, I guess we have to backtrack a little bit further. When I was in high school, I gave up desserts. I loved I loved running, and so I tried to get in shape, and I was training for a 5K all summer before my freshman year. And so I hadn't eaten desserts in over a year, and this 5K happened, and then the next week we were actually going to the University of Illinois to perform at a concert. And since, since I had done the 5K, I had started eating desserts again, especially um, Reese's Cups. They were my favorite, and um, I actually... 
bought $20 worth of peanut butter cups on that trip. And because of that, uh, and the fact that I have red hair, they started calling me the Orange Crush because I had a crush on Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which are orange. So that name has stuck somehow for four years. <laughs> Very cool. How about you? My, my story is much more simple and happened <laughs> within the first hour of me being in the discords and uh, the president at the time, uh, Zach Flood. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> he's gone. But, um, no, I have a pointy right ear. And so without knowing anything about me, they said, we'll call you Elf. And um, It also helps that he's a ginger. Yeah, I'm a ginger. <laughs> I love Christmas, and I'm small and helpful. So it worked out well. You guys definitely all match your nicknames, it sounds. I'm sorry you don't have one. Sorry. Right. Do you have any hopes or dreams for one? I just hope it's something that's not that unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my first name is Lennon, so it's kind of a unique first name. So that kind of sticks, I guess. Mm-hmm. That could be a nickname in itself. Exactly. <laughs> okay, now what is the preparation that goes into a show like this? Nothing. Okay. Just know everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... We can uh, we can talk about this show uh, and go through that preparation. We had auditions the first week of school, and then we had our first rehearsal on January fifteenth, knowing that the show was on February fifteenth. We all we arranged our own music. I think there are five people in the group right now who have arranged songs for this, which is actually uh, yeah five. quite a bit. Before the semester started, uh, our e-board, which is the president, vice president, business manager, publicity manager, and music director, all sat down and discussed what songs we wanted to sing. And we decided we were going to sing, you know, seven songs that we've sung in the past, and then we were going to sing six brand new songs. So actually, we have eight songs in the eight past. Eight songs. We added another one. Six brand new about songs about a week ago. And so we arranged all the songs ourselves and set up a plan. And so. You know, we started with the Taylor Swift song, I Knew You Were Trouble, and started learning that, like, the second week. And then we just started adding more and more arrangements on, and we're actually having rehearsal after we leave here. You know, we learn it, memorize it, audition for the soloist, and we pick our own soloist, um, which is the most intense audition process you'll ever go through in your life, m- way more than X Factor or American Idol. And then, <laughs> and then we learn all the songs, and then we make jokes. We come up with jokes. Yeah. and I think... Oh, it's important to, to note that Don't we practice much. together twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it's really important. Like, we do have to know our stuff for that and don't want to waste everyone's time, so we practice a lot on our own as well. Oh, there's just a, there's a ton of other stuff that, like, people don't even know that goes into, like, booking a concert. Like, you have to make sure you turn in the APF, get it approved by the university, um, make the down payments on all the places we're staying, uh, book an opening group, you know, make programs. Uh, we actually, for our Valentine's Day show, we uh, handwrite Valentine's for each uh, seat. So in the facade, we'll be writing about 650. 600 Valentine's, 650 Valentine's uh, Thursday night, the night before. Reminds me of first grade. <laughs> Everybody gets one, even yes. though you don't want to. I'm going, I'm so excited. <laughs> when you guys come into the studio, and any time that we work with you, it really seems like you're more than just a group of guys who get together. You really have this dynamic about you and this unique relationship. Can you talk about that? I wouldn't say that. I don't yeah, think we're, we're that. We're, that, we're not that close at all, actually. We're excellent actors. Yeah. No, no, honestly, like, it's it's crazy. Like, you you, you get into this group and you you have no common interests besides you like to sing. And we're just 14 guys who happen to like to sing that are in the same group together. But it just, it goes so far beyond that. We, I, I probably don't go like a single day without seeing at least one of the discords and we just like when we're bored we'll call each other up we uh we're actually going to im basketball game after this interview like we all we uh, did that together and macklemore concert we're all we're very excited for the macklemore <laughs> concert coming up we're gonna uh, host by smsu you mean the ryan lewis concert featuring macklemore yeah. <laughs> no honestly we're just you know i've been around this group this is my eighth semester around the group and I could not imagine college without these guys. Even with even not just singing with them, just hanging out with them, playing Super Smash Brothers on the N64. You know, the best memories I'll ever have are in this group. Yeah, and it's funny. People ask me, so do you have any other friends outside of Discords? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? They, they, they keep it separate. I'm like, Discords equals friends. It's not a separate outside of Discords. But like, the answer Those is, are my friends. The answer, the answer is, is no. no. Yeah, yes, quite Discord. honestly, the answer is no. If I wasn't for that, I'd be a lonely guy. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much for coming in. Um, I hear your show is sold out, correct? Yeah, we yeah. sold out, what, like three days after the tickets went up? Yeah, I, yeah. Officially last Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night, uh, Friday morning, um, there was there were um, zero green dots left when you went on the uh, Warren Center page to buy tickets. Uh, you know, as a publicity manager, I, I don't take responsibility for it, but I'm certainly really proud of it. It's never sold out this fast before. I mean, within the first 24 hours, we um, we like sold almost 500 tickets out of the 650. So mm-hmm. it's been really, really awesome experience getting ready for this show. Which is really just a great testament to our fans. <clears throat> we we Quote-unquote fans. I know. We, <laughs> we, we were completely speechless when we uh-huh. saw that. And it's just, you know, thank you to everybody who listening who actually knows who we are, I guess. Get ready. Get ready. You're 
we're a very loyal fan base, and we appreciate it more than you could possibly imagine. Your dorm gigging worked then, so for future <laughs> yeah. reference, it's for now, good. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Spartan Discord. Thank you guys very much for coming. Thank you. Thank no you problem. for having us. And I recently got word that there are still a few tickets available. They can be purchased on the Wharton Center website or through the Discord's Facebook page. The Discords will close our show tonight with two songs. Next week, we will turn our show from exposure to sexposure. We will be joined by Olin Health Center to talk about all things sex. We will also accept phone calls. Special thanks to our producer and engineer, Gabby Saldivia. Also, thanks to Mary Hathaway for production assistance and Michelle Graham for photography. Our station manager is Aaron Young and general manager is Ed Glazer. Keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next week, this is Abby Newton for Impact Exposure 89FM. And without further ado, here are your Spartan Discords. My name is Drew Peabody, but these guys call me Elf. The Spartan Discords and this is I Knew You Were Trouble. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in his side. You got me alone. You found me. 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 You never see her cry. Tim, she doesn't know. She's the reason why. You drown me. You drown me. You drown me. And I heard you moved on. Whispers in the street. You're not in your belt. It's all I'll ever be. Now I see. Now I see. Now I see. She was long She met me. Now realize the joke is on me Cause I knew you were trouble when you walked in So shame on me now Flew me to places I've never been So you put me down Oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in So shame on me now Flew me to places I've never been now I'm lying on the cold hard ground. Oh, oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh, oh, trouble, trouble. When the saddest fear comes creeping in, that you never love me or him or anyone or anything. So you put me down, oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now, flew me to places I've never been. Now I'm lying on the cold, hard ground. Oh, oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh, trouble, trouble. I knew you. My name is Wilson Shaner, also known as Screamo, from the Spartan Discords, and this song is called I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. Thank you.
When I look into your eyes, it's like watching the night sky or a beautiful sunrise. There's so much they hold up, and just like them old stars, I see that you come so far. Right where you are. How old is your soul? I won't give up on us, even if the skies get rough. Given you all my love, still. Needing your space to do some navigating, I'll be here patiently waiting. See what you find. Even the stars, they. Someone who walks away so easily. I'm here to stay and make the difference that I can make. The differences they do a lot to teach us how to use the tools and gifts we got. Yeah, we got a lot at stake. And in the end, you're still my friend. At least we didn't plan for us to work. We didn't break. We didn't burn. We had to learn how to bend without the world caving in. I had to learn what I got and what I'm not, and who I am. I won't give up on us, even if the skies get rough. Giving you all my love, I'm still looking up, I'm still looking up. I won't give up. On us, God knows I'm tough enough. We got a lot to learn. God knows we were there. I won't give up on us, even if the skies get. Better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs>